0: Hello, I'm Lawrence Lever, Chairman and Founder of CityWire. Welcome to the second episode in our series from our CityWire correspondent. CityWire has over a hundred financial journalists and researchers around the world and the aim of this series is to bring three of them together to talk about what is going on in their region every week. This week we're joined by Alex Steger in New York, Alex is head of CityWire USA editorial. We have Gianluca Baldini, our Italian editor calling in from Milan, finally Dylan Lobo who runs the Citywide Wealth Manager channel, he joins us from London. So hello everybody, I hope hope you're doing well under the lockdown conditions, maybe we'll just have a quick 30 seconds from each of you just to sort of say what's going on for you in where you are and I think we should start with you Gianluca because you've been in lockdown longer than anybody.
1: Yeah, this is my seventh week. I am enjoying my flat more than ever. So, yeah, also in Lombardy, things are getting better, but slower than the rest of Italy. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Seven weeks in lockdown. That is, can't even imagine. I think we're on our fourth. One loses, um, you lose track of time in this environment. Uh, Alex, tell us about uh, your life in New York with the new baby as well.
2: It's, um, yeah, it's going okay. I think we've been in lockdown around similar uh time to london to be honest um since about the first or second week of march
0: so what about you dylan dylan, uh, you, yeah. dylan you you have actually had the virus haven't you
2: yes yes i've
3: had the virus uh, i i isolated for 14 days and um i'm a much better now uh but i've, I've still got this cough that lingers and um so it's, i'm a bit of a, a social pariah i don't go outside because a cough is a, is a lethal weapon have you got your sense of uh, taste and smell uh, back because i know got you got- lost them yeah i've got all of that back yes
2: you got your sense of taste back then
3: i've got my sense of taste back but i, I don't like but, but, you kept, but you kept the shirt are you this is a podcast so nobody can yeah. see the shirt alex
2: okay no for the listeners that's hilarious
3: yeah okay. the,
0: jo- <laughs> the joke the um. joke is still valid <laughs> okay i think we should talk about work i mean tech skype zoom all of that new ways of communicating it's kind of like the obvious story, what about the other stuff? Because there's been some reports, you know, from consultancies saying that smaller firms of either asset managers or wealth managers aren't going to survive in this environment or going forward. Uh, we kind of seen this stuff before, you know, it's, it, it's variations on a theme. But I wondered whether the U.S. or uh, or, or London, UKs have got some views on this. Alex, do you want to have a go?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, yes, I mean, we're doing some work on this, uh, on uh, specific sort of smaller asset managers, boutique asset managers, looking at that idea of, you know, can can they make it through this? And, and yeah, to your point, I th- I'm sure if you go back through and look at sort of Casey Quirk or Deloitte reports from 2015 and further back, you know, they'll, they'll say similar things, you know, the sort of the squeezed, uh, the, you know, it's all about, M&A it's all about consolidation if you're not differentiated if you're small you won't you won't survive etc so you're right in that I think you know we've kind of heard a lot of this stuff before Um, but perhaps this you know accelerates a sort of a trend that's been moving slowly I don't know we haven't finished the work on this but uh, the piece that we're looking at is yeah we've done some research looking at um, firms with uh, that started uh, started February with five billion or less in in AUM, yeah. um, and then we sort of and we've done some research on you know what their their outflows have been, and then also with obviously market depreciation, so what their asset levels mm. are around, um, and I guess the sort of the premise is you know what 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 can they survive on? You know, if you if yeah. you started that with five billion yeah. and two months in through maybe some of your own fault, maybe not through too much of your own fault, you're at two and a half billion. But you've still got twenty thirty staff and you know yeah x many commitments. can you keep going uh, and what changes do you have to make to keep going and um I mean, a couple of people we've spoken to uh, some sort of big uh, fund selectors have said you know they've put any firm under a certain size on watch just because of the the danger that you know even if they've got a strategy they love, you know they have to appreciate that you know the firm may not keep going in its current form and they have to sort of just be aware of that, but they're not cutting those managers or anything yet. Mm. Um, And a few people we've spoken to have sort of suggested there's kind of three outcomes, you know, the better firms keep going and and they are fine. Um, Or they get bought up by bigger firms, which, you know, still means they're going, but obviously they're slightly different. Uh, If you were doing nothing or not doing nothing, but if you had been entirely dependent on sort of market appreciation for the last few years, then yeah, maybe you will be in a bit of trouble. Um, and then you've sort of got this idea there's a sort of third group where they make cuts to survive now. But there's a danger that, you know, in doing so, they, they compromise their product. You know, maybe they lose some researchers, some analysts, or they cut some spend on technology tools and resources and data. So, um, yeah, it's something we're looking at. I take your point that we sort of heard this before. And obviously, we won't know the answer for, you know, probably a year or so because no one's going to sort of close tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, that, that's something we're exploring here in the U.S. Yeah, I, th-
0: I think it's, it's, it's something that is, as I said, it's, it's always on the agenda. I mean, I, I don't know whether you followed it, but in the last couple of days, uh, there's been a couple of announcements of uh, asset management results, Dylan, in, in, uh, in London. And, uh, you know, I saw one firm that assets under management in the last two months have gone down a third. You know, that's a combination yeah. of the market and outflows. And another they've gone down a quarter i mean you know you've lost a third or a quarter of your business yeah,
3: and I, in, and, in two months and that's right yeah and I, I think that is going to put a whole new load of pressure on, on businesses lawrence and before this crisis there had been a huge wave of consolidation in both uk asset management and wealth management for, for about three years and and the argument was and like you said an old argument that um, together we're stronger and and there was also regulatory pressure so they were sort of to, to meet the grain regulatory demand. Firms were combining, and I think this this crisis will will really expect, will be a real real struggle for those firms that, that do not have cash on their books, mm. so they're a bit cash light, and um, they'll be really exposed. And I, I don't I don't it's going to be really hard for them to, to to survive. And on the flip side, you're going to have those firms that are very cash rich. The consolidators or, or, the, or the big wealth firms that will store away cash, cash for um for opportunities and um and I think once 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 this ends, whenever it ends, those those firms with money in the bank are, are, are um they're going to be licking their they're lips. They're in a strong I, position. They're wow. in a hugely strong position and 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 it's and and. Consolidation really will accelerate, I think. And I, and I think firms are going to be sold for cut prices and and, 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 and the, the big guys, the predators, are going to be getting some fantastic yeah. deals.
0: Yeah. I mean, I talked to one or two private equity people recently, and this is a wonderful period for them. They can pick stuff up cheaply or owners yeah. have now got much more reasonable price expectations.
3: Predators paradise.
0: Predators <laughs> paradise. Gianluca, small firms, large firms, is there any kind of dynamic going on in relation to them in your market well, okay, in Italy?
1: For, yeah. Uh, the point is that, you know, this consolidation, the, the theme of consolidation and merge and acquisition is something that always comes back when, you know, we are facing uh, a crisis. Yeah, the point is in Italy, this started like 10, this is a process that started 10 years ago almost where uh, you know with me feed and with all new regulatory stuff uh you need to cut cost because casting you know, costs are were increasing um, so the consolidation started few years ago and it is going on i think as Dylan said uh now things are going more fast you know the consolidation process will will be faster but I cannot say this is something started, you know, in with the coronavirus crisis. Uh, I agree with you saying that this is a good moment for a person who wants to make, you know, uh, to, to, to looking for a partner because, you know, uh, this is a, is a cheap, uh, is a cheap moment, you know, in terms of cost. You know,
0: can I drive this down into something a bit more specific? So in the UK, under MIFID, advisors and wealth managers have had to send letters to their clients whenever their portfolios have gone down by 10%. And some clients have had two or three of these mm-hmm. letters. Is anything like that? And, and now it's caused so much panic, the regulators have suspended that rule. Does that? Is there anything like that in either the US or Italy where you have to tell your clients? There's a law that says you have to yeah. tell your clients when your funds have gone down?
1: Yeah, you have to tell your clients when your, fine, when your fund uh, is going down. And you have to send them a report every year in Italy to tell them how much they spent on fee,
0: yeah. how,
1: uh, how much they, the, the, how the fund uh, has gone up or down net. so you mean how much you, you, I mean, uh, according to MiFID, you have to tell your clients how much you lost or how much you, you gained and how much you spent for it.
0: Look, I'm all for transparency, but the problem is, if you're sending clients letters in, when there's a financial crisis like this, saying it's gone down 10%, and then next day it's, oh, sorry, it's another 10%, how are you going to encourage long-term behaviour? Alex, do you, do you have a kind of view on that? I mean, the counter-argument is it's good to have transparency.
2: Yeah, I mean, the short answer is, with regards to the re- the reporting requirements for you know advisors to their clients in the US, I'm... I- I'll be blunt, I don't know, but my gut would be that well, I don't think they exist. I've not heard of that. Uh in general, the, the regulation isn't as um tight as it is, um, or as strict as it is in the UK and probably in Europe generally, you know, look, still commissions here, you still pay for shelf space, you know. Yeah. Uh it's so, yeah. the Wild yeah. West over here. Yeah. Um uh, it's not uh, the Wild West, but it's it's it's, yeah. it, it, it's it, a it, different the, no, the I understand
0: that, but in so many ways, America's ahead of us. But when it comes to kind of advisor regulation, it looks like—I mean, it depends how you define ahead or behind—but we're ahead. Yeah,
2: it's almost like there's a really, really powerful, strong lobby that has uh, massive sway. But I, you know, that would be that would be irresponsible speculation. Can you name anyone? Sla- slash fact. Um, no, no, no. Um, but anyway, so does you know, it begin with SEC? <laughs> i don't know but let's see well hang on i'm not saying oh, backtrack here alan cut this bit um but look it's yeah so the regulation is, is isn't strong so i very much doubt that there's the same requirements there but yeah. I, I agree with Laurence's point you know that, that i think um where you know let's look at things that are successful and one thing that's very successful in the us is so the, the sort of 401k regime sort of dc pension regime and i think if i have this right you know. Um, and, and maybe I should double check some of these numbers, but people, mo- th- there's been some stats that, you know, people have continued to sort of put money and top up their pensions in the U S people get paid every two weeks rather than every month. And so a contribute, a, a cut of your paycheck goes into your, your 401k and contributions continued. It's not auto enrollment like it is in the yeah. UK or indeed auto escalation, which I don't know see. if that exists. So, but it, it's voluntary, but people have continued to do it. So it, uh, it's clearly a vehicle that works to encourage long-term savings. Um, and there's a huge amount of money going, you know, the, the, the sums are huge as they are generally in the U.S. Um, and yeah, it encourages good behavior, doesn't it? It encourages regular contribution, yeah. encourages thinking for the long term. And yeah, these 10% letters don't sound like something that would necessarily do that. Yeah. Also, um,
0: also, I think what's good about that is you're kind of investing when the market's falling. So, um, you, you know, your pound cost averaging, mm-hmm. you know. regular regular savings it's um you know we used to have a lot of that in the uk and then the expense you know when i started out i used to put 50 quid a month into about six or seven or eight savings plans until i started citywide and i needed to Hang the, hang the children. <laughs> I need the money for the business. But, uh, um, you know, that was a good thing. But, they're too exp- you know, they're too expensive to administer now. But uh, I think that idea of continuing to invest is a really good one. And yes, it's, it's interesting. Sorry, Dylan, you want yeah, to yeah, make- yeah,
3: just, just sort of just a funny little story on, on, on the 10 percent letter. Um, there was a chief executive of a wealth management firm who, who got a 10 percent letter from his own firm. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I, don't he, I, don't, I don't know whether he. I don't. know whether he had to a, write the letter a, to himself. What a <laughs> shit job you've done. <laughs> yeah, whether he, yeah, but you he, know, it's yeah, it's, it's, right. it, it's a ridiculous. himself it's, in the face. <laughs> yeah, but but let's write himself a letter informing yeah. himself of the ten percent loss in his portfolio. It's a ridiculous rule, and um, and I think it's you know, it does it doesn't it does make people panic. You know, you get in the list oh. letter, and, and and in these extreme circumstances, you you kind of know what's going on. You're reading about oh. it everywhere. The last thing you need is a. Yeah, uh,
1: if if I can add i'm something from italy you know the point is not how much the fund has uh grown or uh, has decreased the point is that in italy you you never you couldn't know uh how much you were spending for your advisory why because you know the the advisor come before MiFid uh used to come to you saying okay your fund has grown like 10 percent and the the investor said, "Ah, oh, okay, amazing, but you have to give me—I uh, don't know—two percent to for what I did, you know. But since the since the fund was growing, it was not a big issue. Yeah, yeah. Now the, the world is changing, you know, and not only with coronavirus, but uh, I mean, the point is that to explain the client that how your fee—I uh, mean, uh, y- y- how much the client was spending for this you know, gain or decrease." In the fund, um, the the point is in, Ita- in Italy is that the the success of uh, of advisory is still depending on performance, and this is a quite I consider we consider an old school you know strategy because you know the, the the success of advisory depends on on the market you know if everybody lost like ten percent and you lost like two percent you are anyway you're winning you know. So in Italy, it's just more a transparency toward toward clients in terms of fee they are paying. Mm-hmm. This is me not not linked to the simple, you know, uh, increasing or decreasing of the funds.
2: Was, were you trying to say something, uh, Alex in New York? Oh, well, just, I mean, just very, just very quickly on on the on the ten percent thing. You know, we, we've sort of piled in on it a little bit. I mean, it's clearly a rule for a different time. I think you know in normal normal circumstances it it probably sort of makes a bit of sense you know like let's say last year your portfolio went down 10 percent and no one told you you would be a bit shocked and you know there are yeah. there are bad advisors in every country yeah. that we've yeah. worked in there are bad funds there are bad dfms yeah. so you know i i i think we should be a little careful in, in, in completely yeah. slamming the rule because actually in 2019 if you lost 10 percent in a month and no one told you and you didn't find out till december yeah, you'll yeah. probably be pretty angry it's just obviously it doesn't necessarily make sense in an environment when everything yeah. is going down for three weeks yeah, in a row I think, I think that's um, a fair yeah point. and on yeah, the that makes sense and on jan lucas point about sort of things being linked to you know fees or, being linked to, to yeah. aum and stuff i mean actually that's yes transparency is improved but i mean that's still sort of the same in the uk and the us even on the sort of you know fee-based sort of the good side of things you know people still take an AUM fee. So that, you know, that hasn't changed. We've done some work, um, again, on a sort of REA title in the last month, looking at whether this crisis does change behaviours around how people charge uh, their fees and, you know, does something like a flat fee become more attractive or a sort of subscription fee model um, rather than taking a percentage fee. But it doesn't seem, and again, kind of some of the stuff we've spoken about earlier, it doesn't seem like it changes imminent there but it it, i think it puts the fee model uh in the spotlight and and certainly Mm. starts that debate again because you know um obviously you know it's not great for clients but also from an advisor's business point of view if you're you know if you're taking one percent of the market and the market's down a lot you know it isn't great for your business either so maybe it's something that does change over time yeah. uh, and it's certainly a debate that's, that's happening in the US.
3: And then the flat, the flat fee, yeah, I agree Alex, the flat fee model here as well is, is an interesting one in London and, um, and firms have been putting in flat fees recently, um, not many, and I do think um, one of the consequences, one of the results of this crisis is there's going to be a huge shake-up in fees. Well, and, listen. And, listen and UK as, wealth firms are going to be looking at their. Sorry, Lawrence, looking uh, looking at their fee models.
0: Well, I was going to say, as a former lawyer myself, I can tell you, lawyers charge flat fees, and no one ever says lawyers are cheap. Lawyers are regarded as bloody expensive.
3: So I don't think flat fees are necessarily going to be cheaper than. I, I wasn't. I wasn't. I was Yeah, I you think. It, I think going back to Alice's point, they're going to look at fee structures that make them. You know that that allow them to make more money, basically, and survive. So, Six
0: hundred quid an hour. Yeah.
3: You know. And then half of the hour
0: spent, you know, talking about the kids. I think think I'd rather AUM. So my last thing is this. Uh, I was talking to a wealth manager in uh, in the UK and he speaks to his firm. Uh, Everyone in the firm gets on a Zoom call once a week. And everybody in the company has to say something positive, no matter what it is, you know. And and actually, interestingly, he said that the clients mainly, you know, there's less concern about their money at the moment. They're they're really concerned. And this is kind of obvious in a way. They're really concerned about, you know, their health and the health of their families. So money is very secondary to them at the moment. But they still appreciate the fact that someone's looking after them. But coming back to the positive point, you know, is there something positive each of you can say about what is going on in your neck of the woods? Something positive. Um, I can go I'll have a go I, by the I, way give I, you a bit I give you a bit of time to think about Look, the one positive thing is that we can talk to each other around the world and it's natural and normal and like next week I've got CEOs from the states uh different places in the states from London maybe even Paris could never bring those together in normal circumstances and actually in your um, magazine uh, Dylan I was talking to David about wealth manager we may do something called around around britain in seven in 80 zooms so you you can have like a a, yes. a zoom conversation with 80 advisors all the way around yeah
3: britain. i'm not sure about 80 but yeah i mean well we could have, you know, we could give it a go um, my, yeah. my thought, up page. I've, I've, it's gone up from eight to 80 but yeah I mean, yeah well. yeah so, so i mean i Vern. So, 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 so something positive that is positive the communication i think and i think um from my personal experience and generally from speaking to readers and, and wealth managers, they just, they just seem like a nicer bunch, you know, they're, they're more, they're more sort of happy to talk. And, and I think the communication is, is so much better. And I think people are a lot more open and, um, you know, nobody's really hiding anything at the moment. Everyone's very transparent and very honest. And I think, I just think. On so many levels, I just think it, 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 everything's going to be a bit kinder, a bit nicer. And, and we're all going to be able to work together a lot better and, 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 and be 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 more humane yeah dylan Keep we working. nearly broke it i nearly was thinking of a song there yeah no i almost yeah. i almost broke into song if i didn't have this cough still lawrence <laughs> i would have actually i don't maybe maybe next one maybe maybe the next one I, I yeah have the,
0: have Coca, Coca, the, co, the coca-cola app, we could but. write poems <laughs> yeah.
3: I'll, I'll, just, I'll just write a poem while alex is talking or journaling a, another <laughs> right.
2: podcast i think
3: yeah um. <laughs> something positive alex
2: so i mean I think it's the communication thing uh again, which maybe it's sort the of same point but uh sort of from, from a personal point of view i mean um be- i've been in touch with way more people especially back in the uk over the last sort of few everyone's like oh oh everyone's like free oh do you want to like do like those awkward like video calls with like 10 friends and you're like i guess and then after like 20 <laughs> minutes you're like oh, this, is a, this is a bit boring but you do it um and the same with the family it's like oh you do these awkward calls with like your parents in the distance and like oh, just your dad's forehead on zoom and stuff you're like brilliant this is this is really adding a lot to the relationship um but it's nice well, that people are doing that. I mean, yeah. slightly depressing, everyone's like, oh, we've got loads of time now, we can do these. I was like, oh, I, I always had time. Um, for I, I, Well, I had a seven month old, so you know, I guess perhaps we weren't as busy as uh, as everybody else. Um, so that, you know, it's, it's been nice, I guess, especially sort of getting back in touch with people in the UK. It's been very good for that because everyone's yeah. sort of around. So, I, don't, yeah, I don't know about it, you, Alex,
3: I've never communicated as much as I have done in the last three
1: weeks. No, I, mm. I mean...
2: <laughs> Go <Gotcha>, on, <Luca. laughs>
1: I see quite a lot of things going better than before. I mean, I mean, okay, again, we are in a tragic moment. That's true. Many people are losing their lives, but you know, uh, communication is, be- is better and easier. I mean, I talk to someone living in New York, like I'm doing with Alex, like the same in the same way. I'm talking to a friend like living ten meters away from me, which is very good. Um, I'm more appreciating all things that I was giving. You know even uh, you know so like appreciating simple things like walking you know on the street like talking to people yeah but this is important and plus i mean for our job this you know push us to reshuffle to rethink your yeah. mind yeah this is amazing
0: uh to Gianluca in milan and uh dylan in london and alex in new york i just want to say thank you very much for sharing your experiences and I uh, look forward to seeing you again in, uh, in a world where things get back to normal pretty soon, hopefully. All right. Many thanks. thanks. Right. Thank you. Bye.